In today's episode, we are joined by PGA Tour player Christopher Ventura. Christopher grew up in Mexico and Norway as a youngster before moving to America to play in college at Oklahoma State and also now as a professional golfer. He won twice on the Corn Ferry Tour last season and he's really looking to make that step up and win on the PGA Tour when we get back from this pandemic in a couple of weeks' time. Christopher has a really good, exciting story to talk about and it was really great to hear his processes and how he's making a step up. I'll be too nervous to. I've probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lost of Words podcast. I'm joined today by Chris Ventura. Uh, Chris is a former Oklahoma State golfer. Uh, he's now playing on the PGA Tour after a successful season on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Chris, you're uh, you're pretty well travelled to this point. Um, it's not been a, a direct road. Um, born in Mexico and then moved to Norway at a young age. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my dad is Mexican. My mother is Norwegian. And uh, yeah, my first 12 years were in, in Mexico and then uh, we all moved to Norway and continued my journey there. How much do you remember growing up in Mexico and playing your golf there? Uh, quite a bit actually. Uh, I have a lot of good memories. Uh, my, you know, majority of my family uh, on my uh, father's side is still in Mexico and uh, so yeah I keep in touch with them and some of my friends growing up but um, yeah I mean the weather was great. That's where obviously I started my golfing career so it's just a lot of good memories yeah absolutely and you, you were pretty successful when you when you were a young player and, and won a lot of tournaments there so i imagine it was uh it's sort of tough to move away but probably knew that it was the right decision in the end looking back obviously it was a, the right decision but at the time it didn't seem like a very uh smart move I, did, I obviously didn't want to move and i had all my friends my my family my cousins and um yeah it, was, it just seemed very odd and, and, and tough for me to move or for us to move to Norway, and uh, yeah, obviously looking back, it was uh, completely the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about there that your mother's Norwegian. Was that the, the main factor to move into Norway, or was there, was there any else particular? Obviously, because it's not the biggest place for golf, is it, uh, in Europe? <laughs> and uh, obviously yourself yeah. and Victor Hovland are from there now, but uh, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that sort of looks on paper a bit of a strange move. It does. Uh, you know, I can tell you there are not a lot of Mexicans in Norway and there are not a lot of Norwegians in Mexico. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was tough in the beginning, obviously, just getting accustomed to a new environment and uh, making new friends and learning the language. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, looking back, it was it was a great decision. And uh, as far as the reason, I mean, probably my, my mom just wanted to go back to where uh, she was from. And, you know, the things are better in, in Norway as far as security, healthcare, education. Um, so, you know, me and my two brothers definitely benefited from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, is it's probably easier to, to play junior golf in, in Europe, especially in Norway as well. It's kind of funded and, and helps you make the move up in that way. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I mean, I don't think if we, if we hadn't gone to Norway, I don't think I would still be playing golf, to be honest, uh, wow. just because the financial uh, toll on on my career and my parents didn't know how expensive it was going to be and obviously we we didn't have the the resources to uh, continue you know with with that path in Mexico and so I, I guess partly the reason why I went to Norway was because of the golf too um, just knowing that they had a great program that where I could just go straight in and be a part of the team and travel all, all over the world and play all the European tournaments and uh, yeah I mean that was a blessing to, uh, for my career for sure. 
Yeah, so you say you say they're obviously learning a new language. How tough was that to go from sort of speaking Mexican Spanish to to speaking Norwegian? Because I can't imagine that's the easiest uh, transition. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no, the easiest language to pick up. No, uh, for sure. My my dad is, struggles uh, a little more than than we do. Obviously, um, you know, when you when you move and you're young, it's it's a lot easier to adapt and uh, and be flexible. And you know, I would like to think that I'm really good with languages. I, I just enjoy learning uh, new things and trying to uh, fit in, you know, even traveling all over Europe, I still tried to pick up some words if it was in French or, you know, Italian, whatever it may be. Uh, so I've always been, you know, really quick to pick up uh, languages and new things. So for me, it was it was pretty easy. But uh, yeah, for, for my dad, obviously, it, it's it's been tough. But I mean, obviously, now he speaks it with with an accent, but you know he understands and, and speaks it perfectly. So yeah. You know. Yeah, but so you're obviously playing quite a lot of European golf when from an early age, and and how important is it then, like you say, that you picked up French and Italian and things? Uh, maybe not being fluent in all of them, but yeah. um, just how important is that to to feel secure and safe and and happy when you're traveling around playing these tournaments? Uh, you know, in the beginning, it was a, a, quite a bit. Um, not tough, but it's just uh, different because not a lot of countries, you know, if we went to France, not everyone speaks English or yeah. in Italy, not everyone speaks um, English. So for me with the Spanish, it's a lot easier because I can transfer that into maybe some Portuguese or Italian. Uh, and obviously French, I, I'm not going to say I know, you know, all those languages uh, fluent, but uh, just you got to pick up on some words and try to communicate. And I think people in those countries appreciate it way more when you try to uh to speak the na native uh, uh, language. Uh, that was one of the things I was going to say there is that it shows an awful lot of commitment from yourself um, and, and that definitely uh, resonates with, with the residents there and, and probably makes you a bit more of a popular figure when you go into these events because if you're trying to speak with you know hosts and sponsors and mm -hmm. people like that, it certainly must help go a long way to, to helping you down the line. Yeah, I know for sure. And uh, obviously I wish I could have I could spend more time. It's it's not impossible, but I think I would like to think that I could pick up a new language pretty pretty easily. It just obviously takes time and, and effort. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as, as far as now, I, I speak Norwegian, Spanish, and English. And um, you know, growing up in Mexico, we went to a a German school, so I, obviously I had German in school growing up in Mexico, and I still know a little bit. Obviously, lost that when I started uh, learning Norwegian, but. I would like to think that I could go back and, and, and relearn it and, and, you know, speak it pretty or pretty good and pretty quickly. Yeah, and, you know, th these are completely different things here. But how how much do you think that the fact that you can pick up languages pretty well, you're obviously very good at learning to new things mm -hmm. and adapting. How much do you think that helps with learning a new golf technique and, and different parts of your swing and things like that? Um, that's a good question. Um, I haven't really thought about it like that, but... I know for a fact that I, I just I'm very curious. I like to know why things work a certain way. How can they be improved? You know, even with languages, like how come you know someone's saying it like this and and someone else is saying it differently, or you know, picking up on accents and and things like that. So I've always had a curious mind, uh, and I think I for sure benefited from that in golf. Also, you know, trying to learn and understand why a certain things happen uh, and how to improve them. Obviously, and I think. That has helped me massively in my career. Yeah, absolutely. Is there also a bit of a worry that you can get too curious and, and look into things too much? But knowing that obviously you had a successful junior career and and a good college career mm -hmm. as well, is there is there a sort of fear that you know you start trying to work too much when it goes into taking the next step? Um, yeah, I definitely have had tendencies where 
you know, I overanalyze stuff or I think about it too much instead of just doing it. You know, if it if it's working out or going to practice when the weather is not good, instead of just trying to give yourself reasons for you know not to do it or to do it. You know, at the end of the day, you just, just got to put in the work and do it. Um, so for sure, I would like to, you know, find a balance between those two uh, two uh, different perspectives. Um, but I think in the in the long run, uh, I'll benefit more from having that curious mindset and always trying to understand why certain things happen and, and how to improve them, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, just going back to your junior golf, do you think there's a standout moment before you went to university that, that really sticks in your mind from a from a young point of age? Yeah, I, mean, I have a lot of good memories. Uh, you know, obviously as a kid, I was really good and won a lot of tournaments, but the one that really uh, sticks out to me was the Junior Ryder Cup uh, yeah. that we played in. That was unbelievable. And I think it was at that moment where I knew that that's something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, seeing the, the big guys, the European team, all the fans out there supporting, I just it just felt like, you know, to me, they I felt like they were rock stars. Uh, and that maybe that's what it feels like to play a Ryder Cup. Um, so, you know, that's probably the one that really sticks out. I played along some great European players, played against some great U.S. players. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, that's probably my my favorite memory from growing up other than, you know, before college, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking down the list of players there and you had Moritz Lampert and, uh, and Thomas Dietrich are both on the European tour at the moment. And also you come up against uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. So it wasn't yeah. it wasn't an easy competition that week, as well as Ollie Schneiderhans and Denny McCarthy as well. We both play on the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. And, and we always you know, know that the US team is always going to be stacked and have a bunch of good players. Uh, but you know, I, I made you know I've seen a lot of the European uh, players from other tournaments, so we we had sort of a bond and we were friends back then. I, I haven't kept much in touch with them anymore, but every time I see them, you know, that's something we can look back on, obviously. How difficult is it to keep in touch when you when you know you go from obviously you're going different directions. A lot of those guys would have gone straight on to play in Challenge Tour. I know you tried to <laughs> uh, think about doing that sort of route. Um, obviously, eventually went to the university route, and you actually. Uh, committed at a different university before you ended up at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was committed to Arizona State. Um, and to be honest, that was the only school that I'd ever looked at. Um, I know growing up uh, and playing in Europe, um, there were there weren't very many coaches out there, uh, college coaches. And we got, we would always see uh, the Arizona State coach, uh, Randy Lane, you know, always passed away this past year or this year. Uh, but he was always out there. So that's, that was our first introduction to college. And, uh, we knew that if he was watching you, then you must be good or you, you must be a big deal. So, uh, as far as that goes, you know, that was the only school that I'd ever looked at and I committed. And for some reason, as soon as I committed, I started getting all these emails from other schools showing interest. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but you know, I started getting emails, you know, from everywhere. And that's when I, you know, decided to decommit and uh, make another decision, you know, with more information, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's like you say there, that, that, that this is the first and possibly the only university at the time that were really showing a lot of interest, so you felt that it was easy mm. to commit and make that decision. Um, they've had a lot of really successful golfers come out of there, obviously Phil Wilson, Paul mm. Casey, uh, more recently John Rahm as well. Um, so I imagine that looked like a really good program. But then mm. when all these other sort of, um, sort of invitations and and people come in and offers, it's probably very hard to actually sort of think about where you're going to go and, and to draw a focus to any one of them. Yeah. No, and, and like you said, it's looking back now, it's such a tough decision because it, it, it can have such a big impact on your career. 
And uh, for, uh, you know, 17, you know, I mean, now people are committing at, you know, 15, 16. It's such a big decision to make at that point in your life. And uh, I was fortunate enough to where my parents didn't have a say in the school. They just knew that wherever I decided, uh, they were going to support me. So it's, you know, it was all my decision. And it's kind of crazy, you know, looking back that I was able to do that at that age. Uh, you know, obviously now being more mature and stuff, but. Yeah, it's just such a it can have such a big impact, uh, and especially people from Europe, we're just not very familiar with how things work over here in the in the states. Um, you know, what schools are good, what schools are not so good, or what schools are good at academics, other schools are great at sports. So it's just you know, it's it's I think it's tough, especially for Europeans. Uh, but I don't know if it's luck or whatever, but I'm just really fortunate that I ended up at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and, and they say here that Alan Bretton travelled to Scotland uh, to recruit mm-hmm. yourself, and and on that became a chance meeting of him and, and Victor Hovland as well. So yeah. if he hadn't come to watch you play, uh, you know Victor Hovland may not have gone to Oklahoma State either. So how yeah. how fortunate you you know both being obviously Norwegian and how much mm-hmm. do you sort of think about that and and how these things sort of seem like fate at the time? Yeah, I mean it's just it's crazy how everything unfolded. Um, so. Coach Brown got uh, talked to Donnie Dar. He was a coach. Obviously, ended up being my you know assistant coach at Oklahoma State. But he was the, the then coach at uh, Ohio State University, and he was the one that told Coach Brown to go to uh, Scotland and watch me because he didn't have enough scholarship to uh, give me an offer. Yeah. So he you know he told uh, Alan about me. He went over to Scotland and I had I had a talk with him for you know briefly because I don't because of the rules and all that stuff. Uh, and then that's when he saw Victor for the first time. Uh, and then it's funny how we all ended up at Oklahoma State. Donnie Dar also ended up at Oklahoma State and we ended up winning a national championship. So it's <laughs> it's it's pretty uh, wild how um, yeah things ended up in the end. Was there any one sort of factor at the university or any of the facilities or any former players there that really impacted the decision that you made in the end? I think so, for sure. Um, I committed to Oklahoma State without ever visiting the school okay so so that you know talking to uh former players was had a massive impact in my decision uh i i talked to rafael alarcon he uh mexican player back in the day he's a really good player went to oklahoma state uh i've played some golf with paulo martin yeah he uh obviously spanish great player won the european tour a couple of times and uh, i played a couple of challenge tour events with him and you know know him pretty well so those two guys were the you know the one that the ones that told me that you know, Oklahoma State was by far the best decision I could make. Uh, and, and obviously knowing all these great players that uh, had gone through uh, Oklahoma State, like Ricky Fowler, Peter Uline, you know, Morgan Hoffman, Scott Verplank, like all those guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was at the time it seemed like a no brainer for me. Yeah, we spoke to Peter on an earlier podcast, and he brought up your name, and you know mm-hmm. he talked about the, the fondness that he had of, of the school. But he did say that the golf course there, Carson Creek, was actually very difficult to to mm-hmm. score on, and you know that sort of affected him sometimes trying to break into the team and qualify for the team. How did you find playing on there? Did you think that you know when you managed to actually make good on that course and score well, that you could really go low at any other course that you came upon? I think so for sure, and and it's still. It's still a plus for today. Uh, it's just more of a mental challenge, just playing out there every day, knowing that one bad shot is going to cost you most likely. You know, you're going to lose your ball for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, that even qualifying, every shot matters. 
and you had to focus and uh, you know one shot could be the difference between you going to the tournament and not going to the tournament. Uh, as far as I know, our qualifying uh, procedure was way tougher than any other schools. You know, we, all, we were always having to earn our spot. Never, you know, unless you had won the previous week, you were exempt, you know, for the next tournament. So it's just constantly, you know, trying to perform under pressure with the challenge of Carson Creek, obviously. Um, and I think that made us all better. And at the end of the day, you know, after being there for two, three years, four years, you know, Victor was there two years, but you just become so familiar with the course that it, it's not even tough anymore. So then when you go to other courses, uh, those courses seem a lot easier, you know, less penalizing. So uh, I think that definitely, and, and that's the same thing that I'm trying to do today, trying to make practice as hard as possible so that, you know, when you get in a real situation, it's, it's, it's going to seem easier or you've at least been there, you know. Yeah, and a lot of the golfers do say that now that it's, it's you know it's the right way to do it is to practice as hard as you can so that actually playing golf for the four rounds is actually a pleasure and and the mm -hmm. easier part of the week and and it's a really good mentality to have and I think it's really important what you say there that your golf team made it really difficult for you to not just perform at a high level but you had to qualify to get there and earn your stripes and and I think mm -hmm. that probably served you well having to to work your way up from the Corn Ferry Tour up to the PJ Tour eventually um, and it wasn't even just a straightforward route onto the corn ferry tour for yourself in the end because you know you, there's you're, you're part of a very successful college team you had multiple wins um there was a lot of fanfare wasn't there around obviously victor and, and matthew wolf as well and did you think that you felt like a a little bit of a forgotten member on that team despite how well you were playing yeah for sure i mean especially when i wasn't playing great you know and and people always ask me this about victor and matt just said oh how do you feel about those guys and at the end of the day you know there's no jealousy between us. I would like to think that that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever they do, it's, it's you know, whatever Victor does is great for, for me because he's representing Norway and we're both from Norway. So it's, at the end of the day, it's going to benefit both of us. Uh, whatever Matt does, whatever we do, we're representing more than ourselves, you know, Oklahoma State and our country. So, um, you know, I, I haven't felt any sort of jealousy for what they have done, I mean, it's, it's been more motivating than anything, seeing that, oh, you know, I've actually beat those guys before, and now they're winning PGA Tour tournaments. Um, so, yeah, I, last summer, you know, going from Monday qualifiers, obviously, to, to winning twice in the corner for Tour and having my PGA Tour card, and I think that's when people first started noticing that, oh, there's actually another player from Oklahoma <laughs> State on the PGA Tour now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's the thing I'm glad you sort of said what you did because the angle I was taking from there is that it's not a case of I can tell from speaking with you shortly that you know it's not a jealousy factor you're very proud of what you've achieved and, and the route yeah. that you've taken and, and you're nothing but happy for those guys but it's probably very vindicating for you that you say that they go out and win on tour and it must give you a massive confidence boost that actually you know I can do this because I was a very important member of that team uh, you know they're not going to win a national championship without myself and also um, if they can do it I can do it and that must be a really good way to to shine your path as you go through onto the PGA Tour this season exactly no for sure I think I think that was 100% the case and uh, even you know today I'm, I'm fortunate enough to play with players that are better than me and, that, and that's the same thing you know like back in college you just always trying to push yourself to the next level or to the limit and uh you know make make things easier for when you get out there on on uh, you know playing tournaments so yeah i mean it's been a, a crazy ride and i guess in the beginning of my career you know growing up you look up to all these players 
and you start fantasizing about having that or their careers or winning this tournament and that tournament. So you're trying to imitate, you know, what whatever they're doing, um, which I think now is is wrong because everyone's path is going to look a little different. So you can't chase what everyone else is doing. Uh, you got to find your own path. And you know, like with me at the time, Monday qualifying, you know, obviously pretty demoralizing knowing that I was better than that and still having to Monday qualify for Corn Ferry Tour events. But now looking back, it's just that was just my path. You know, that was it took me uh, a year and a half, and it just looked completely different than Matt's path or someone else's, you know, career. So you just got to be accept that uh, we all have a different journey and. Uh, you know, as long as you try your hardest, uh, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah, yeah, you've mentioned a couple of times that I'm under qualifying. I do want to get to that in a second. But I think another key point you hit on there was that, like, you know, you're 25 and that's still a very young age and, and you're probably even right in line with where you need to be or even slightly further ahead now based on the two wins last season. Um, mm-hmm. But then these, these guys that are coming out at 19, 20, 21 and winning on the PGA Tour. But this is... A new standard isn't it that's not something when you were entering Oklahoma State and, and before that in your junior career it wasn't particularly common that people would come out straight out of university and win on tour it's, it's kind of a new thing so mm-hmm. it's a bit more of an unrealistic aim whereas the path that you've chosen is probably more common amongst pro members yeah no for sure and I, and I think it's like with any anything uh you know watching golf on the PGA Tour on a Sunday you only get to see the best players hitting the best shots you know, with the guys are in contention, you don't get to see all the other shots. And so you get a false idea for what it really is like, you know, for, for most of professional golf. Um, you know, so I think that's, you know, very important just to realize that everyone's journey is going to look different. Uh, and obviously I'm trying to beat those guys and I'm trying to get, you know, to be amongst the, the best players in the world. But I think it, to, for me, it just really helped to know that, I can kind of relax a little bit and just let things happen instead of trying to win that tournament because uh, someone else won that tournament or trying to get my PGA Tour card as soon as possible, you know. So um, once I did that, I mean, it, it was amazing to see the results came right away, uh, which is funny now looking back at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, we're talking now and, and you only turned professional in the summer of 2018. So you're only sort of two years into your career. and We've had a very big disruption so far this year already, um, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But also it wasn't a very easy route, as you saw since those Monday qualifiers and the Corn Ferry Tour last season because you you had a, a, an illness the week leading into getting onto the Corn Ferry Tour. Mm-hmm. No, and, and like, like I said, it's just things are going to happen that are outside of your control and you just, you know, obviously it's, it's a cliche, but it's how you respond to those things that mean matters in the end, you know? Uh, and I, I, I was good about it for, for a while. You know, it was always in the back of my head that obviously playing bad on uh, the last stage because I had my appendix taken out and now I had to Monday qualify for, you know, ha- half of the year. It was just, it was a tough, it, it was a tough uh, start to my professional career if you want to look at it that way. But then, in a matter of five, six weeks, I'd won twice and finished third twice. And I had my, you know, I finished third or fourth on the money list. So it's just in, in people's, you know, eyes, it's going to look like it happened really fast for me. But the people that are around me know that, you know, it, it was a grind and it almost felt like two, three years of professional golf instead of just one. 
Yeah, you've had you know you've had a a sort of longest you know run in if you like than you probably would have expected given your talent level and and going through the appendicitis that you had and then trying to tough it out on that that round where you were sort of advised not to play, weren't you? But you you said that you wanted to try and play those four rounds to to really yeah. try and improve your ranking. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't quite happen because you just physically weren't able to do it, um, mm-hmm. which led to only being able to make twelve starts on the Corn Ferry Tour that year. Um, yeah. But it's really amazing what you did with those 12 starts. So like you said, yeah. you, brought, you won twice and you finished third twice as well. How mm. how did you manage to peak for those weeks that you were getting the starts rather than just, you know, because you could have burned through them quite quickly, but you managed to sort of really fit your schedule well to suit your game? You know, so I was money qualifying up until the BMW uh, in June. Um so having been around all those guys that are Monday qualifying, it's a tough lifestyle. I mean, it's not, it's definitely nothing luxurious about, you know, doing that. And everyone's frustrated. Everyone's almost sort of depressed because, you know, it's, it's just so tough. And once you Monday qualify, you have to play well. Otherwise you're back at the Monday qualifier the following week. So going from that to then getting an opportunity to play the BMW, which was massive for me because if I hadn't played good there, I'd, I'd still, you know, I would have gone back and Monday qualified. So I managed to finish third there. And after that, I knew I was guaranteed status for the next for for the rest of the year. I could plan my schedule a little, a little bit. So it was just like, you know, 100 pounds were taken off my shoulders. And um, after that, I just, it felt like I was playing with house money. You yeah. know, I was like, okay, I have nothing to lose now. I've guaranteed myself for, the next, for, for this year. And I'm, I know I'm good enough to compete out here. So then once I finished third, you know, in my first uh, invite, um, I saw that I was capable and, you know, obviously took advantage of the next couple opportunities and ended up winning. And, uh, you know, in a matter of five weeks, I, I went from nothing to having my PJ full card. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, in, in that week at the BMW as well, you shot a second round 62, which was the lowest of the week. And you talk a lot about the confidence that you would have gained from that week and, shooting a low round like that on on one of the sponsors invites does that bring a whole new level of confidence because you're doing it in tournament players so i'm sure you've shot low rounds like that before on on uh you know playing around with your buddies or playing at college but to do it on that stage under that pressure knowing that you know you don't know what, what the starts are looking like going forward how important was that to you it was it was really important uh and i knew i i wasn't nervous i wouldn't say but there was just a lot of pressure uh, during that week because I knew and everyone else knew that and my agent and my team knows that if I don't play well, I'm back in Monday qualifiers and I'm going to have to wait until Q school again, uh, you know, in the fall. And for some reason, you know, I was playing great. Uh, I was confident and I saw, you know, I can compete out here. I know I can compete out here because I, you know, even then I knew that I could compete on the PJ Tour. So then I thought, well, the Cornford Tour is a step under, you know, it's kind of like the minor leagues. So I, I should be fine. I just need to get opportunities. And, uh, you know, obviously shooting 62 and playing and being in contention that week was amazing. And I just wanted more of it. Uh, it wasn't as much about the money or, you know, the points. It was just knowing that I could compete out there and then that I would have future opportunities. That, that was, you know, really big for me. Yeah, and just two starts later, you go to the Utah Championship and you win. And just looking at the first two rounds, you started with a 69 and a 70. Um, mm-hmm. What did you, How did you feel about your game going into the weekend? Did you feel like you, low rounds were coming, or was it a bit of a surprise to you how, you how you shot the 66 on the Saturday? It was, 
you know, it, it sounds uh, weird, but I just didn't have expectations. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew I was guaranteed my status for the year. Uh, I, I was just having fun. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm so blessed to be here, you know, doing what I'm doing right now. I'm taking that next step from Monday qualifiers to actually being on the Corn Ferry Tour. So I was just enjoying it. And whatever came after that was, was a bonus. You know, obviously I had goals and, and dreams, but sort of that, that led to the pressure not being there as much as before. And uh, I just let things happen. I just knew, you know, if, I just, if I'm just myself, I can compete and beat all the guys here. So, and, and that's what happened, you know, it, obviously after the first two days, it didn't look like, you know, I wasn't even thinking about winning. I was just, Hey, let's just get, you know, I was thinking about the next shot and the next round. And it, it's a cliche, but you know, it, it, it really does make sense at the time. And, uh, and that's what I did fortunate enough to win in the playoff. And I was obviously nervous, but even, you know, it, it's, it's crazy to look back now. And, you know, the guy that I beat in the playoff, uh, didn't get his PGA Tour card, so it's, there's such a big difference, you know. But at the time, I was just doing my best, and and uh, you know, like my mom always says, if if you just do the best, you know, you can't do anything more. So you know, then you should be you should be happy and content. So that's that's kind of what I was doing at the time, you know, just trying to prepare the best that I could, uh, be the best uh, player and person I could be, and and that's what happened, in, you know, in the span of five weeks. Yeah, that's an incredible mindset because, like you say, they you felt free over the weekend, which allowed you to shoot 66, but also a 65 in the final round of your first chance to really win, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then go to a playoff on that first opportunity as well. I imagine then obviously the nerves kick in, but the reward from that, obviously the confidence that you get from okay, well not only have I com- contended here for a second sort of week in a row or second and three times, yeah. but you actually go and get the win at this level uh you must have really been on a real high then and and then it was only a couple of starts later that you win again <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing yeah no and, and you know i just think about it you know it gives me goosebumps because it's just knowing that what i went through that time is just it, it's crazy and you know very fortunate to be able to do what i do um but as far as the pressure you know i went from you know no status to now i had status so there was always something to work for or work towards and there still is you know and like i told my agent there's always going to be something you know like the guys that have played on the pj tour for five years now you know they're looking for maybe getting to wgc's getting to majors getting contention in majors like and the guys on the canadian tour corn free tour are looking for you know getting to the pj tour so you're never gonna be content you know i guess that's the mindset that i have it's there's always going to be something no matter how how big you know and, and i saw that with you know, like even if you get a little money and start spending it, there's always going to be something newer or nicer to buy. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so, definitely. Exactly. So it's just, you know, as long as you have this mindset of, you know, having fun on the golf course for the right reasons, then I think the odds are much higher than you're going to you're going to succeed for sure. Yeah, I mean, you go from that second victory at the Pinnacle Bank, and then on your very next start again, you, you're right in contention for for another win. And at this yeah. point, then, are you starting to think, like, okay, you know, I'm definitely, this is the PJ Tours just on the doorstep, and I'm ready for it. And, 
you know, yeah. it, it's probably quite easy to get, and I can tell from the way you're talking, you're, you're very level-headed and, and you know you need to make improvements even though, but it, mm. you very could have easily had three wins in the space of, sort of five or six starts and, and you'd have had automatic promotion anyway. So does it then, do you have to kind of uh, humble yourself ready for the challenge ahead knowing that the next step up is going to be even tougher? Yeah, for sure. And and I've had a tough, you know, first first six months or five months. I haven't played like I wanted to. I've made some changes, and um, I, I think now I'm heading in the right direction. But it's just been a huge learning experience. And obviously, when you're in it, it just seems tough and seems like everything's going against you. But um, you know, when like my like my brother says that he's actually going to caddy for me moving forward uh, when we get back. You know, if, if this is supposed to be my dream job and if I'm not having fun with my dream job, then something's, you know, very wrong. So just having that mindset of, you know, having fun and enjoying it and trying your best instead of living and dying by the FedEx Cup ranking or the money that you're making or all this other stuff that's just not relevant. And I think my mindset has changed from that, you know, because once it happened for me very fast, you know, I obviously made some money. I, I obviously got my PJ tour card and the expectations were really high, but now realizing that, you know, I just got to be me out there instead of trying to imitate other guys or looking at what, you know, Rory's doing or what Brooks is doing or like, you know, just got to find my own path. If that makes sense. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Because, and I, and I think, you know, I think we as, as fans and, and, and social media and things like that probably make a bigger thing about money and FedEx Cup points yeah. than really the players are. The players are really just focusing week to week, I imagine. And mm-hmm. um, But it's probably quite hard as well to ignore it because you're getting text updates about your FedEx Cup rank. It's, it's flashed on the TV every time you see yourself. It's just yeah. it's very hard, I suppose, to, to get in the mindset that you're all clearly in. Um, yeah. that you are just working towards a, a different goal and, and I'm interested you say that you're making some some changes and do you think that's kind of um, affected your results where you, you've missed quite a few cuts but you've had, you've yeah. had, when you've made the weekend you've made a couple of top 20s but is it a case of you're just trying to implement those changes and it's just taking some getting used to I know you're working with Claude Harmon now so is that is mm-hmm. that what's happening at the moment? Uh, it wasn't anything technical. It wasn't necessarily that I was changing my swing as soon as I got on the PGA Tour. It was more of the shots that I was trying to hit. Okay. You know, thinking that, uh, you know, going into detail now, but like when I was winning on the Corn Free Tour, if there was a shot that I was uncomfortable with, I would just play on the safe side or hit the middle of the green, take my par, move on. You know, I wasn't necessarily challenging every single shot or trying to hit every shot perfect. So I was missing in the right spots. And then that made it not feel like I was playing great, but I was scoring well. And once I got on the PGA Tour, for some reason, I started thinking that I had to hit this high cut to the left pin or trying to work in towards like in, against the wind. Like it felt like every shot or every hole I needed to make birdie, you know. And now looking back and having talked to some of the guys and learned a lot of stuff, it's just really minimizing the damage, you know, and looking at my stats, you know, that really show – what I'm talking about is just minimizing my the damage with the longer irons. You know, obviously getting can always get better with the wedges and short irons, but really just making you know it sounds silly, but just playing par golf. You know, and I think for me that's that's going to be a huge thing moving forward and a big key. You know, because that when you don't have your game, you can still shoot one two under par, especially with my length. I'm going to score better than most people on par fives or, or you know short par fours. So if I can just play as consistent as possible, then 
then you know that's going to be huge for me moving forward. Instead of trying to feel like every shot or every hole, I need to you know play like they were number one uh, out there. So it's you know I think that's something that's going to I'm going to benefit from uh, in the future for sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that you pointed out the stats wise because one of the things I was going to mention is that you are fifth on tour at the moment in in putting in strokes yeah. gained. Um, the only four people ahead of you are three of them are major champions in Louis Ustase and Patrick Reed and John Rahm and, and Denny yeah. McCarthy as well, who who you know. Um, how so you know that's a strength of your game. It's always been a strength of your game. It was last year on a Corn Ferry, um, yeah. but also like you say there, you you're long off the tee as well. Um, mm-hmm. How and you say that you've got to tidy up your your approaches and looking you can just see that on on the PJ Tour website can't you yeah. you know strokes gained that you you write down there on approach and things like that. how much does that one is it obviously it's helpful because you, you can see where you're going wrong and what you need to do but also does it get into your mind a little bit and make you try and do things differently from maybe what your coach is trying to tell you to do uh, yeah I mean my you know obviously with Clyde we're working on the swing and how to make my swing more efficient and and um consistent you know that if i'm trying to hit a draw that i should be able to hit a draw if i'm trying to hit a low cut you know just looking at what i need to do to make those things happen but as far as the statistics go you know just this past couple weeks i've really taken a good look at everything almost every single shot that i've hit out there so far and and analyzed it and you know said why did this happen where did the ball end up and for the most part my it's closer than it seems you know i obviously looking at the stats it looks like i'm terrible with the irons <laughs> and short games you know but it's just going from corn free to pj tour i'm getting you know very you know i'm getting penalized a lot for short siding myself or trying to hit shots that i don't have in the bag if that makes sense yeah absolutely. so going going for pins with this five iron or six iron you know that i really shouldn't be doing and there's ending up you know short-sided now i can't get it it's going to be really tough for me to get it within six feet. And then obviously, you know, the score is going to go up. So just looking at those things, I think it's not as much the swing, but it's more how I, how I approach the course and every, each and every hole. Uh, and, and obviously that comes with experience, knowing the courses, but also just, you know, because I think people get a false sense for, for you know, the PJ Tour golf. They think that, you know, everyone fires at every single pin and they make, you know, eight, nine birdies around. But it really is, you know, managing your game well and being consistent. And you see the best person, well, that's what they do. Rory and, and John Rahm and Justin Thomas and Brooks, you know, they, they know their game so well that they can manage it and know what spots to miss it, you know, where not to hit it. And then if they're uncomfortable or they don't feel like they have a shot, you know, just minimize the damage. And uh, and obviously once they have it, they can attack and, and, and be aggressive, but still being smart, you know. Yeah, so yeah, and I think you know one of the things that you're saying there is um, that that you do side. Do you get goaded into trying to hit harder shots just because of the people? Is it the people that you're playing with, or is it just thinking right? Well, I'm on the PJ tour and the standards higher, so I need to try and take these shots on if I'm going to be yeah. successful. Or is it is it watching the playing partners, or is it is it just the mindset that you had that you were taking a step up, so you needed to try and um, and make you know make the shots that you couldn't hit? It's honestly just trying to hit shots that I thought, you know, growing up, you just have this sense or when you look at the guys on TV, you think they're gods, you know, like you think that they do everything well. So it's just when I first got out there, I'm like, okay, I need to hit this shot or that shot and, you know, 
maybe shots that I wasn't comfortable with, you know, hitting or going for pens that, you know, I really wasn't comfortable going at. Um, it's just, you get this false sense that that's what everyone does, you know, instead of managing your game well, minimizing the damage and making a lot of pars and, and obviously being aggressive and smart when, you know, when you can attack some of the holes. But with my length, like I haven't played with a player on tour yet where I've gone, oh my gosh, he's unbelievable. You know, like, oh, I can't do that. Which, which you know, if you had told me that, before, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. But now I know that my golf is good enough. It's just how I manage it uh, moving forward and the consistency. You know, it's it's more of a mental aspect than than it is technical because I can physically do what the best players in the world are doing. It's just a matter of managing that well and obviously experience, but just understanding what, you know, makes me the best golfer that I can be. And, uh, you know, obviously consistency is a big key. You know, on on the PGA Tour, you can't make a double bogey or triple bogey and still be in contention. I mean, it's very tough. Uh, now, in the Corn Free Tour in college, you, there's just so many holes where you can birdie that, that you might get away with it, you know, once or twice. So that's just the big difference, you know, the short-siding yourself and, and and playing very, like, you know, stupid aggressive, I like to call it. Uh, yeah. That doesn't take you very far on the PGA Tour. No, and, and it's interesting, again, that you say that because birdies aren't really a problem for you at all because you know, no. you're, you're 33rd on tour in birdie average. Well, so and, and with, how far, with how bad I'm hitting it, you know, based on the stats, you know, that's, that's very interesting that i'm i've still made enough birdies but i'm i've hit it so bad with my arms you know yeah so that's obviously you know sometimes the going being aggressive pays out and sometimes it really costs me but you know um if i can you know make less bogeys and double bogeys and uh, you know with those birdies you know it's it's gonna it's, it's looking good <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing is, do you take confidence for the fact that actually, you know, the main thing, so you're putting, you're a very strong putter, you make birdies when you need to, you can hit it as long as you need to off the tee to, to reach these par fives, which is, is integral to scoring on the PGA Tour. So, you know, yes, it's not as easy as, right, just, just stop making bogeys and, and I'll be fine, because <laughs> yeah. everyone would like to do that, right? But Exactly. You know, it, but you must be able to see there that there's very, it could be just a very small change in, in your iron shots, especially with your long mm -hmm. irons, and, and taking on the right shots as and when they need to, because you do still have to be aggressive at the right moments, but, yeah. but still aiming for that middle of the green when it makes sense that... You know, you could come out of this. You've got a plenty of time now to work with your coach. Well, before the tour gets back, uh, if it gets back on time, um, mm -hmm. that you could really just come out and, and hit a heater really quickly, and, and things can change on tour so quickly. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, one week week can change your life. So, um, as, as far as moving forward, I'm just really excited to get back with this new mindset and new approach. Um, just I'm interested to see how that you know pays out or works out. I guess, and I know this is the right approach, so I'm very confident in that. You know, now looking back, uh, so it's been a, a massive learning experience for me, and obviously not the first six months that I wanted to, but I think this will be very valuable for me moving forward. You know, it's something that I can look back on, and you know, as a learning period for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, I'm I'm just really excited to get get back and and try to obviously improve on you know, from where I left off last year or this, this early season. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously everyone wants to have success early, right? So if you were to come on the tour and, and you know, finish top 10 or top 20 three or four times in a row straight away, yep. that's going to give you confidence going forwards. But do you think actually 
the, the fact that you have sort of gone off to a slower start that that's given you the the thing that you need to change that mindset so it's obviously an important thing that you do change your mindset going forward and and you maybe you wouldn't have done so if you hadn't had the struggles that you've had so far this season yeah no exactly i mean you're right i mean it's who knows what would happen you know if i would have maybe won or, or finished top 10 you know three four times it's just you never know and everyone has a different journey uh and you know obviously i've done you know my best and this is where it's taking me and i've had a big learning experience now the past six months but uh yeah and and you know like you know, to i don't want to compare myself with anyone but like with rory you know how he's been you know reading a lot trying to learn as much as possible and he has this this approach that i'm kind of aiming towards or, or talking about just like it's not golf is not everything you know like there's no it doesn't really at the end of the day you know going through these past few months with you know whatever's going on in the world right now it's it's not that big of a deal so and i think that kind of frees you up a little bit to not be aggressive but be confident in in whatever you're doing and uh you know just just go from there i guess it's and and, and that's what i've done the last couple of months now i've had the opportunity to get some rest and and read a bunch of books and, and do a little gaming and uh, <laughs> all the stuff that I haven't done in a while. You know, I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but, uh, yeah, it's just been an interesting learning experience so far and just excited to get back at it. Man, and that's the thing. I think people, you know, we said we were talking about this pandemic and it has been tough, especially for people around the world and, and some of the, the tragedies that we hear about. But for, the, for those guys that are safe and they're indoors and you've really got to put a positive spin on it. And it sounds like you have done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a te- like you say, it's not just technical changes you're making, but you're changing your whole mindset. And yeah. and you've now got June to look forward to. That you're possibly going to be back out in events. Um, mm-hmm. But how important. So you, you practice at the Floridian and, and you're Claude Harmon's coach. So you're, you're yeah. working with people like Brooks Kepka and Shane Lowry and, and DJ and people like how important, like you say there, you've not come across a player yet that you can't stack your game up against. Now, these are world number one players and major winners. How important is it to test yourself against them? Because a lot of people say that practice is important, and but people sort of belittle it. But this must be massive for you at an early age and an early point in your career to see how you stack up against those. Yeah, and, and that's what I've always praised, just playing against better players. And obviously, I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play against, you know, the best players in the world, which, you know, if you had told me that six months ago, I would be like, oh, you're crazy, you know. But, <laughs> to, you know, being able to learn, and, and I'm good at observing, you know, uh, players or, or things and, and trying to, you know, you know, pluck things that I think are valuable for me uh, from each player. And, you know, obviously extremely lucky to, you know, be able to play with those guys and, you know, that they're just, you know, getting to know them on a, on a personal level and they're just very nice and open about things and willing to share things, which is great. Uh, but yeah, that does, you know, it's, it, that's extremely important for, for anyone really, you know, and, and I'm fortunate enough to, to have that opportunity and that's just something that's just priceless. You know, you, you really can't put a price on being able to learn from the best yeah and this is going back to the earlier point that i made that, that possibly the, the fact that you're adapting to new languages from an early age and mm-hmm. and seeing a lot of the world i mean not only did you you travel to europe and live in europe for a long time but you also went back after being in college and played on the challenge tour so you're yeah. really a, a world golfer already at an early age and just been mm-hmm. able to adapt to those and then be able to learn 
again, it's not just a technical thing. You're not looking at Brooks and, and DJ and, and trying to take something necessarily from their swing, but how they're scoring, how they're conducting themselves during a round is really yeah. only going to benefit you going forward. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And and I would say one of the, the big things that I've learned is just to be competitive. You know, it's just love uh, competition, no matter what it is. It could be anything. And uh, so that that's something that I'm trying to get better at. I, I, I'm very competitive, but I just need to do more of that uh, preparing for tournaments or, or practicing, you know, I'm sort of a, I tend to go on my own, you know, be by myself and hit balls and putt and all that stuff. And I need to do a better job of playing uh, more and for something, something that matters, you know, under pressure, uh, or, or practice under pressure. That's obviously something I need to do better. And I'll, that's going to improve my stats moving forward. But, uh, like I, and like I said earlier, you know, having this mental approach of, if I win a tournament tomorrow or if I finish last, like that's not going to change who I am as a person. Uh, and I think that's one of the tougher things to do. Uh, but, you know, listening to Rory, I uh, talk about an interview, you know, I, I think it was yesterday, a couple days ago. It's, it totally makes sense for me. And, and that's, you know, obviously a player that I really admire. Uh, but just having this mental approach of, you know, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to beat everyone, but, you know, if I win tomorrow or if I win the next three events or if I lose my car, like I'm still going to be the same person uh, at the end of the day. And and that's something that I'm obviously trying to learn learn from. And uh, as far as now, with the past few months not having been able to play, you just really learn that if you're not in love with the process, you're not going to practice. You're not going to do the things that are necessary. Uh, and that's that's massive. You know, like just learning as a kid, obviously, having fun, playing with your buddies uh if you if you don't love golf if you don't if you can't go by yourself and play 18 holes and have fun then it's going to be really tough for you once you get to the next level or you know trying to compete against the best players in the world uh so so you know that's obviously something i'm trying to do uh, moving forward yeah and and as you say as you keep referring back to rory there is that he's the world's number one golfer he's been playing some of the best golf of his career really probably he's probably playing better now than he was even at his his peak sometimes just because just the technical changes he's made how far he hits the ball um and there's always a slight on rory at the moment he hasn't won a major for five years but he seemed it doesn't seem to be a better headspace he's ever been in i think he's one of the biggest advocates for the game of golf now i think he's really good at at speaking and doing his interviews and and it yeah. gives you guys a role i mean he's only you know just turning just turned 30 31 um but he's really become a role model for for players like yourself and yeah. and and how important is it to be able to relate to him because he's he's not just at another level i know, you know people talk about tiger woods as an idol um and yeah. someone that they've always been inspired by and look up to but it's hard to get an insight into what he does, whereas Rory is very open with what he does and how he prepares and, and gives you sort of a way to work towards that. Yeah, no, for sure. And and obviously Tiger has been always, you know, my idol, and he's probably the reason why I started playing golf and just loved golf as a, as a kid, uh, you know, watching him on TV. But Rory now is taking more of that holistic approach to, you know, athletics, you know, being an athlete, a uh, professional golfer. Just, you know, and he's been obviously he's shared a lot of that stuff and I've absorbed that, you know, you know, some people might just, you know, not listen to it, but you know, as far as like reading books or trying to learn about yourself or, or trying to improve as a person or like just the mental aspect of a game, uh, I think that's, that's huge. And, and he's done a very good job of that. And I mean, I guess it's only a matter of time before he really, you know, with how consistent, consistent he's been, you know, it's only a matter of time before he starts winning a lot of majors. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think a point that you made there is that it would be very easy to to brush off some of the things that Rory says is as yeah. okay well it, it doesn't matter what his process is. he's just very good at golf he's the best at playing it naturally and you know his swings there and that's all that matters nothing that he's doing outside of golf but it really is i mean you know he had a, a rocky off course uh life for a little while which he's now settled into he's reading and learning and and that's something that clearly is important to yourself and someone that has been used to learning from an early age and adapting to different situations it's only going to help you going forward i'm just going yeah. to go back to tiger woods there and you, you actually made your debut at the quicken's loans national um mm-hmm. tournament and you actually shared a picture that week of a throwback with tiger giving you a lesson at a young yeah. age how old yeah. were you when he gave you that lesson i was 10 at the time it was that was in uh 2005 okay and, mm-hmm. and how did that come about so uh my dad had a foundation in mexico for to help uh younger kids you know introduce them to the game of golf you know usually you know there are a lot of people in need in mexico and like you know, usually sons of caddies that, you know, are trying to make a living that, you know, just introducing to the game, teaching them some good values. And he had this foundation and he entered this contest and ended up winning, you know, and so he, he was able to uh, take some kids up to Orlando, Florida and, and get a clinic with Tiger Woods. So wow. with, the, with the, the Tiger Woods Foundation. So that's how, you know, I went along, obviously went with him and went to Disney World and all this stuff. But uh, I think he was asked if he wanted to have a, you know, Tiger give him a 15 or 20 minute clinic, you know, because he was uh, the head of the foundation and obviously he, he doesn't play very much golf. So he obviously gave that to me and, uh, that's how that came about. And, uh, you know, even if it was 15, 20 minutes of Tiger's help, I mean, it was, that was probably the turning point for, uh, for my golfing career, you know, just being able to be that close to him and talking to him and he was fixing my grip or, you know, whatever it was uh it was surreal and um yeah i mean that's probably something i'll i'll, I'll look back on uh and you know forever it just it's it's going to be a massive turning point for me yeah and like you say there maybe it wasn't the technical things that you really picked up from him he, he changed the grip and, and made little changes there but it's just the impact isn't it i mean someone of his stature spending 15 minutes of your time with him is going to make you fall in love with golf over any other sport i mean i imagine athletically you probably played other sports growing up in mexico and norway and yeah um it really had to channel your focus and at 10 is quite an impressionable age to to make that decision and and really focus your career going forward yeah no and you know it's always has its ups and downs and there are a lot of things you have to sacrifice and, and my family sacrificed, you know, a lot for me and I'm very t- thankful of that. Um, you know, I don't think I could ever repay that, but you know, this led me to being the player I am today, you know, and maybe I have sacrificed things that are important to other people, like, you know, developing close relationship with friends, you know, growing up, it, I, I'd never had, you know, really any really close friends cause I was always traveling, always practicing. So that's maybe one of the areas where I, not suffered, but I had to sacrifice, you know, and it was tough for me as a kid and to understand that from an early age that this is more of an investment in my future, uh, you know, because at the time, you know, missing the parties or missing going to play soccer with my friends or things like that, that, you know, really, you know, seemed painful at the time. And now looking back, it's just all those little things added up to me being here today. So it's, it's kind of amazing how, how that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the bigger, imagine, events that you played from an early uh, point in your PGA Tour career was going back to, to Mexico and playing in the Mayacoba. Um, and you're actually paired with uh, with Victor and Carlos Ortiz as well. Their house special yeah. of the week was that for you. I think your grandpa father was there and the first yeah. time he saw you play golf. 
I mean, that was amazing. You know, my grandpa's 89 now and that he was able to fly out there and, and, and watch me. That was, you know, something I'll never forget. Uh, now to be able to play with Victor, you know, fellow Norwegian, but also with Alvaro, who I grew up playing with or against in Mexico. You know, so we've known each other since we were six, seven years old. So it, it was is pretty crazy. And, and Victor was making fun of us because he didn't know what if I should speak English to both of them or if I should do Spanish <laughs> to one and then Norwegian to the other one. So it's just, uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun week. Obviously not the outcome that I wanted, but, uh, you know, another learning experience for me moving forward for sure. Yeah. What do you think, uh, as, as you look to the future, what are your immediate goals on the PJ tour? Obviously the, 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 the cliche answer would be to win and to, to compete in majors, but are they the very first objectives or is there sort of a, a goal that you want to get through first before you get to that stage? I think as far as now, more like process goals uh, apply. Um, just improving my stats, improving my, my uh, iron game, my wedge game. Uh, obviously keeping my putting uh, like it has been for the last, last six months. Improving my driving a little bit, especially in par fives. Like that's something that I'm working uh, on right now and that I'll probably be working on for the next you know, six months or whatever, however long. Uh, as far as other goals, I've, you know, I've had a mix of, you know, in the past I've set goals for like, I need to win this tournament, that tournament, but that just puts unnecessary pressure on me. Uh, it's not that I don't want the pressure. It's more that I just want to, you know, another cliche, but like, you know, fall in love with the process, just enjoy, you know, trying to get better. Uh, and I think if I do that, I'll, I'll really like where things, you know, end up in the end, you know, at the end of my career. Um, but obviously I would love to win PJ tour events, you know, WGC events, majors playing the Ryder cup. Like that's something I always dreamed of, but, and, and that's always going to be there. I'm, you know, it's always going to be in my head, but I really need to focus on the short term, how to get there, you know, not, not as much as I just want to do it. Like I just, I need to focus on how to get there. And, and that's by improving my stats and having this different mental approach to, to, uh, to my game moving forward. Yeah, so that's a really good way of thinking. I think, you know, does it help then that everyone sort of looks at it as a negative that, uh, that Victor and, and Matt are under the microscope a lot and get a lot of the attention? But do you see it as a positive that you can go under the radar and, and work away without too much media pressure? I mean, I don't know how you take media pressure. I don't know if once you won twice on the corn ferry and people start talking about if it gets to you or whether, um, yeah. you know, it's just easier to work under, uh, let everyone else take the attention whilst you just quietly work away and, and work towards your goals. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind either one, to be honest. Uh, I guess if there's more attention, it's a good thing, even if it's negative or positive. Uh, and obviously, Victor and, and Matt have had a lot of attention in the last year, and that's something they have to deal with and learn from, and uh, you know, try to grow from. But I haven't had that much, you know, or that big of a, uh, I guess, a crowd, if you want to call it that. Uh, yeah. So, and I guess, and that applies for most PJ Tour players, you know, like. There's only a handful of guys that are getting all the attention. Uh, and it's only when you start winning tournaments and majors. So I, I've always been a guy that I would like my results to speak for themselves, you know, instead of going out there on social media and trying to do, I don't know, it just doesn't really fit my personality. Like I'd rather go win a few tournaments and then people are going to show interest. And, and that's always going to be the case, you know, like last year when, when, I, when I was Monday qualifying, like not a lot of people knew about me or, even reached out or anything but as soon as i went to tournaments and i was on the pj tour now i am getting 200 texts from people i don't even haven't even talked <laughs> to in years you know so it's just 
it's funny how that works out. So I just, I like to keep my, you know, the, my inner circle close to me and the people that really matter and really have my best interest in mind. Uh, those are the, the ones that really matter. Uh, as far as everything else, you know, I, I'll just deal with it and, and try to learn from it. I mean, obviously it's something that the best players in the world are doing right now. I'm sure at times it's not, it can be frustrating to not be able to like for Tiger or Rory to not be able to go to the grocery store or like do certain things or have a dinner with your friends and not be interrupted 20 times. Like it's maybe something not, not something I would want, but you know, it's, it's only a result of what, what they've done, you know, throughout their career. So, uh, I guess it comes with it. So if, if I can get to that point, you know, I'll, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> well, yeah, I think if you get to that point, you're doing something right, aren't you? you you're achieving yeah. your goals and you're working towards those. And and just before I let you go, obviously, one of the, the things that would have really put you on the world stage that did get cancelled this year was the Olympics. And yeah. and you were going to compete with Victor for mm-hmm. Norway. And how important and how much of a pride factor is involved in, in doing that? I know a lot of golfers speak of it. Justin Rose is very uh, open about how much pride he felt winning the gold medal there. And some yeah. people see it as secondary to majors and PG tour but how much would it have meant to you to play there and will play there next year i mean it's just it, it means a lot you know it's something i've you know i haven't watched golf obviously because it hasn't been in the olympics but just watching the 100 meters or the 200 meters you know usain bolt like growing up it's just it's amazing and to think that i could be a part of it one day it's just you know surreal and uh it's one of the few opportunities you get to represent your country because as far as me and Victor, like obviously we represent Norway on the PGA Tour, but to really be with other athletes, maybe even learn from some other athletes or just, you know, develop relationships with other people that are trying to do the same thing you are, you know, or in the process of doing whatever you're doing. It's just, I think it could be a really cool experience. And I would, you know, I would be crazy to say that uh, that's not one of my top goals for next year. Um, now knowing that, uh, uh, qualification period has been extended obviously I need to play some good golf and uh, you know that's just the way it is and uh, that's going to be in the back of my my head you know moving forward but you know, like I told you earlier if, if I just focus on the process like those things are going to happen uh, so I just really look forward to representing Norway and uh, hopefully representing Europe one day that would be awesome too to you know to have the Olympics and the Ryder Cup as your team events that would be uh, that would be amazing yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you've had a, a little insight into what it's like playing at the Junior Ryder Cup, but to actually yeah. play it as a as a professional and and instead of playing Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas ten years ago, you're playing against them again in the, in the future. It would be, um, you know, that must be amazing. And uh, you've really got that to look forward to. And, and Chris, we we wish you very best in your game going you. forward. I think just it's really fascinating to hear. Um, I mean you know your story is brilliant you know you've you've gone from mexico to norway to the pga tour and and it's you know heavily involved and a lot going on there but to hear the processes and the minds that you've got going on it, it sort of lends itself to to success down the line and we're really going to be looking out and and seeing your results and, and we wish you well thank you awesome and thanks for having me absolutely thank you very much Chris.